This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to The Weekly. Welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly by Retail Insider. I'm Lee Rippett, and I'm joined with the Editor-in-Chief of Retail Insider, Craig Patterson, to discuss this week's most read articles on retail-insider.com. So thanks for joining me, Craig. Hello, everyone. Now, we're currently recording on February the 25th, 2021, and we have two articles that we want to cover during this podcast, one to do with Holt Renfrew, Uh, opening up their facade or unveiling it on the Mink Mile right down the street from where Craig lives. So I'm excited to hear about what he has to say since he's lived through all that construction and on on whether it's worth it or not. But the second article that we want to cover is the downtown Montreal Hudson Bay redevelopment renderings that came to light from our friends over at the La La Presse in Montreal. So um, again, very beautiful, but nothing confirmed by Hudson Bay at this point, but still. Love to get your thoughts on that too. But before we get there, let's um, cross into the whole um, Holt Renfrew unveiling of their facade, Craig, because again, right down the street, you stare at it all the time. So let's start there. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been interesting. It was the spring of 2019. It was in May where uh, Holt Renfrew announced and then began construction on the uh, facade. So uh, since about 1978, the store's facade has been, uh, had been uh, a big white marble thing. It was a big white marble wall, basically. Uh, and, uh, you know, it had been there for over 40 years and the store just, you know, decided to uh, fix that facade. So um, it was a bit disruptive. The sidewalks were, you know, had lots of construction, but they created a lovely looking uh, sandstone facade uh, on, on the store with, with nice awnings. It's it's much more modern and uh, really quite a snazzy looking uh, store. So I think it's a great addition to Bloor Street. Uh, the sidewalks are open again. Uh, I, I think it's great. And it's part of uh, a bigger development in the neighborhood. We saw Italy open in, I think it was November of 2019. We saw some other buildings in the area being renovated and still more stuff is coming. We talked about the LCBO opening uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the Manulife Center right across from Holt Renfrew and lots of other stuff are happening too. Oh, absolutely. And for all the things that you mentioned, they really had to step it up a little bit. Because like, if you look at the old photos that we have in our article, there is a lot of that, you know, marble exterior that is timeless for the last 40 years. But the actual customer that Holt Renfrew is catering to is going to expect a certain exterior that doesn't look like some channeling of the Sex and the City Carrie Bradshaw from the 1990s, which is kind of where it was locked at. If you look at like, you know, the pink awnings and stuff like that of that that old photo. But uh, and what it's done is it really has moved um, it into that timeless 2020, like the monolithic stand, sandstone and the whole lantern concept. Like it's really going to stand the test of the next 20 years. It was a great move. But for myself, it's not like it's blowing my hair back with like design and architectural a marvel. Like you take a look at the ROM that's like a couple blocks down the other direction. That is like a crystal schmucked on the side of like a, you know, a building, right? That that is a landmark that people will come to go see, right? And that's like people aren't going to come to the Holt Renfrew to see the exterior and marvel at it like the ROM. But that's not the purpose of it. The purpose is to bring it to be relevant for people who are coming to spend their hard-earned money on that price point so that, you know, it's really focused on that. And it's a good investment because it it, it looks marvelous. It, it's going to stand the test for the next 40 years, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it looks 
good. You know, it's modern and it's yeah. relatively simple. And, and I think it creates a sense of grandness. Yes. Uh, something that I'd been told about the store and the way that it had been designed originally was uh, it's three floors above ground. Um, I think actually technically there's a little bit of a four and a five that's storage above it. I actually remember when they were building that in the early 2000s. Uh, but uh, the retail levels above ground are three floors. So um, being a low level store relatively with high rises around it really gives a sense of prominence and almost power to the building because it's occupying you know, almost 300 feet of length along Bloor Street at a relatively low density, you know, which would come at a high cost. And, yeah. and there, there's something quite present about that by, by not even having a, say, a skyscraper above it, which I think is quite interesting. Um, something maybe I'm speaking too soon, but uh, we put some renderings at the bottom of a proposal from a design competition, which we have actually seen, funny enough, this whole Renfrew store demolished and uh, a new store being built right at the corner um, just you know, over in the next kind of mm. property at 60 Bloor Street. Yep. There's currently an office tower there. There was a gap store until recently located at that corner and, and Holt Renfrew could have had a big flagship store there that I think would have been five levels above ground. I was oh, kind wow. of counting and looking at the renderings, but yeah. uh, uh, that never happened. And, uh, you know, now we, we have the same store uh, that has been there since 1978, but uh, in a flashy new form, including inside. Well, and we also had some main floor luxury hall updates and stuff. Did you want to touch upon that as opposed to just the facade that I kind of dragged out a little bit here? No, <laughs> yeah, the the inside of the store. So the uh, main floor saw quite a renovation. Well, I guess also the basement. So we reported in, uh, uh, well, actually, I think it was late 2018, the, the footwear hall or the shoe floor for women on the for mezzanine women. was renovated. And yeah. then the beauty hall in the basement uh, was uh, renovated. I think it was 2019, uh, about 12,000 square feet. And then the, the ground floor began. And I think it was late 2018, uh, Saint Laurent opened. And then mm-hmm. we saw uh, Fendi open. And these are big boutiques. Yeah. And then the other ones started opening. So over a period of time, parts of the floor were kind of shut down to the public and for construction. And different boutiques were being unveiled. And it was interesting to see because uh, these, uh, there's 12, I believe I counted vendor shops. They're all really significant brands in their own way, uh, jewelry, accessories, three of them. Well, I should say four of them actually carry full on apparel as well as accessories, which isn't really something say that you would see in an American department store. No. You wouldn't have a ground floor concession boutique that carries a full collection. In this case, in Toronto, it's Saint Laurent, uh, Fendi, um, Balenciaga, which has a big long boutique that extends along the east wall of uh, the main floor of the store. And then there's a, a Miu Miu boutique as well, a brand owned by Prada that has a presence. It's got its own window onto Bloor Street and it's got uh, women's ready to wear as well as accessories. And I'm not sure, I mean, footwear might be upstairs. Um, I've only walked by the shop and Jessica and I visited a couple of times back when stores were open in the summer. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because it looks like um, Chanel has a 12,000 square foot beauty hall on the store's concourse level, which is sounding like a pretty amazing in, in addition to the world of Fendi that we had reported on in January 2019. 
Yeah, yeah. Chanel opened a, um, they call it a standalone beauty boutique on the concourse level or the basement, depending what terminology you want to use. Uh, beautiful shop. It's it's connected to Holt Renfrew. I mean, I think it's maybe it's, is it a sublease of the Holt Renfrew space? I don't know, but uh, uh, it is connected to Holt. I mean, most people are going to think it's part of it, but uh, uh, yeah, it's such a beautiful space. I got to say, shout out to Zane, such a great guy. He works there. <laughs> but uh, the, yeah, the Chanel in the basement, but also there's a Chanel uh, beauty area on the on the main floor mm. uh, as well um and uh, being a guy i hadn't really looked at it too closely but uh, the the full boutique experience for beauties in the basement and the upstairs i think might be called color or makeup i'm not sure what the terminology is i think they call it color because there's a, a dior shop up there and then there's a few other um little brand shops around the escalator so it's actually a really it's a bit of an unusual setup i would say in terms of you've got the beauty segregated over two floors mm. uh big beauty hall in the basement then some of it upstairs with the other accessory shops and it might just be an issue of the square footage in terms of uh, the basement uh, really is only about 12,000 square feet uh, a long time ago that was a menswear store and a restaurant um, so I think that uh, you know they've done something interesting I think more is to come I mean uh, that store is uh, going to see more renovations. So, and, and uh, I'll, I'll quickly explain something here. So the whole Renfrew strategy in the earlier 2000s was to create large format stores that uh, had quite a few concessions in them. I think the concession strategy developed, but the goal was to have like 120,000 square feet or at least over 100,000 square feet. So they started in 2007 with the Vancouver store. Then in 2009, the downtown Calgary store. And these were relocations because those markets already had Holt Renfrew stores, but these were like Vancouver at the time was about 150,000 square feet. Calgary was about 150,000 square feet. Then they came in and, um, you know, expanded the Yorkdale store. Uh, they built uh, the Square One store in Mississauga. Then they merged the Holt Renfrew and the Ogilvy stores in Montreal to create Holt Renfrew Ogilvy. So now Bloor Street in Toronto is kind of the, the final piece. So uh, my understanding of what would be planned for renovations if this is still happening uh, post-COVID, which I suspect it would, uh, is, is some renovations to the, the women's luxury designer floor on the second floor. Uh, lots of pricey brands up there. Chanel boutique, ready to wear boutique. Um, actually, Dolce Gabbana closed, but there's this Prada, Brunello, Cuccinelli, Montclair, uh, Acris, I think is still up there. I'm going to have to check it out because again, stores have been close along with the pandemic. I don't know if things have been changing in the background. Um, mezzanine level, as I mentioned, has shoes and it's got a newly renovated restaurant. Um, they're going to, uh, plans were in place to build a separate women's contemporary floor, which means like more affordably priced stuff than the expensive second floor. Mm. And that would actually kind of jet off from the second floor into an area that really not many people have probably ever seen. It was the old um, second floor of the Eddie Bauer store. It was the old HMV music store, second floor. Uh, it's space that's not used right now. And I think probably has pretty low ceilings. So I'm curious what Holtz is going to do with that. And then the third floor eventually we've been told is going to be a Holt Renfrew men's store. Mm -hmm. So right now the men's store is located below me uh, where I live and uh, at 100 Blur Street West. And uh, that little store, it's about 16,500 square feet. They're looking at, uh, again, moving menswear back into the big flagship Holt Renfrew store. But honestly, I don't know what the timeline is for that. Uh, mm -hmm. The lease for the uh, standalone men's store at 100 Blur probably would expire if it's a 10-year lease in 2024. So maybe that's the timeline we're looking at. Yeah. Well, and just looking at redevelopment, the other article that we wanted to talk about was the downtown Montreal Hudson Bay store renderings that came to light um, as a result of the La Presse um, uh, language news publication getting their hands on it from uh, the Montreal City Hall or City Council this week. 
But um, <clears throat> so I guess like at the end of the day, like I know that we were talking about how um, Hudson Bay has gone into more of a, like a r- real estate, the uh, arm has been kind of developed and launched. So it was interesting to me to see these photos and renderings without any kind of remark from HBC at this point yet. So what's your first thoughts on all of that? Because it looks like they're going down the real estate path. The Hudson Bay company does own or co-own some real estate in Canada. So in Montreal, it's an old building. The front part was built in 1891. Uh, It was a store originally, it was briefly called Colonial House which I think was what Henry Morgan had named that store. I'd have to check mm-hmm. that. But eventually soon after it became Henry Morgan and company, which um, it was, even though it was a big store, a very upscale store. So, uh, you know, kind of that Herod's of Montreal almost type of thing. And this is in the earlier years, certainly not in the later years, but Morgan's had been in that building and Morgan's expanded it to eventually be a very big um, Hudson Bay company acquired Morgan's in 1960, but still kept the Morgan's name. So this uh, Morgan's department store expanded by to about 655,000 square feet. I think it was again by building a big annex in the back of the building. Um, then in 1972, uh, Hudson Bay changed the name to uh, the Hudson Bay Company or the French uh, deviation of that, which I'm not even going to try to pronounce. And we probably could. Yeah. But, uh, you know, big changes again. And where's the proposal going to take it to? So now what's going to happen with that back extension that I mentioned that was built in 1964 is it's going to be demolished and they're looking at putting an office tower above it. Uh, I think about 500 feet is what I saw in the rendering. Someone had a, a bit less than that, but uh, it's 25 floors, uh, uh, really interesting, but they're downsizing the size of the store to be, it'll be bigger than Holt rent for Ogilvy, but, but not a ton bigger. Yeah. Well, and do you know when this is going to all happen or is this just like, it's just plans now, right? It's just in the planning phase, as far as we know. I mean, I don't know if the plan, because the Hudson Bay company hasn't really commented on this yet in any publications. So um, they, I think we're looking to sell the building. So I'm not quite sure where things are with that. So it's, I think it's still just in that planning phase. Uh, I'm not sure what the timeline would be, but. Well, and I'm also wondering, do you like, we're speculating at this point, but do you think this is part of the grander play for the real estate division that's been spun up in the recent news for Hudson Bay, because this is definitely seeming to go on in alignment of where that would be. Yeah, the Hudson Bay company did announce um, late last year that they were creating a real estate division. So uh, for sure, they're looking to capitalize on real estate. And my assumption would be this would be part of that unless there's uh, something else happening with the third party owner. But what it looks like is the Hudson Bay company is looking at uh, its real estate and is looking at ways to uh, capitalize on that to be able to make more money. So in this case, developing an existing heritage building by uh, putting an office tower on the back is a way in theory to make money by having that office space and being able to charge rent uh, for that building. So uh, I do think that, yes, this is part of that. And and I'm not sure how extensive that real estate development is going to be for the Hudson Bay company. I, in theory, only they know, but yeah. you know, the company does own a um, share of the Vancouver store. Um, it does have long-term leases and options to renew and extend those leases as well. And I'm not sure where the legalities are around redevelopment and having a lease uh, for buildings. It's just not something I'm familiar with, mm-hmm. but it'd be interesting to talk to someone about that. But, uh, but nevertheless, yes, I think capitalizing on real estate, I don't think we're going to see the Hudson Bay company become another Cadillac Fairview only because those are shopping centers and other things, yeah. but, but yeah, I mean, they've got off 
office buildings and same thing with Brookfield. And yeah, I mean, it could become another real estate holding company and developer. Uh, it remains to be seen. Uh, I mean, I find real estate to be exciting and, uh, and this, this, this could be interesting, but a lot of the base stores are located in, you know, say suburban shopping centers. I'm not sure what could be done there specifically. We are seeing shopping centers uh, being redeveloped and densified. We've talked about that a lot in retail insider here, but uh, you know, there could be opportunities to develop stores. The Sears, I remember the Sears store at Metrotown. Uh, there's a proposal mm-hmm. for like 70 story skyscrapers in the back uh, of that old space because Sears owned that real estate. And I think Concord Pacific bought it. Well, and it, it looks like it's more just downsizing the actual like Hudson Bay retail space though. Um, is that your take? Because I wasn't quite sure if that was a good idea or not, especially, I don't know, looking towards the future. But um, is that kind of where you're heading with with it as well? Well, in this case, what it's looking like with the Montreal proposal for the uh, redevelopment and densification is that the store would be downsized. So right now, most almost, almost the entire building would be occupied by that one tenant, the Hudson Bay company, about 650,000 square feet. Yeah. The proposal looks like they're shrinking the store down to uh, just under 300,000 square feet. So 295,000, 296,000 is what I saw in the plans. Uh, and it's really the um, four levels above ground, part, part of the floors, like most of them, except for the back where the office building is going to be, as well as part of the basement as well. So you, you're still going to have have a department store there. 300,000 square feet is, is pretty big. It's the size of the Hudson Bay store at Yorkdale in mm-hmm. Toronto. Yeah. But you know what I'm thinking? I, I, I've been, you know, I've been to some really big department stores in other parts of the world. And then I've studied other ones too, because I, I haven't spent time in Asia yet someday. And uh, uh, there are some gigantic department stores in major cities in the world that you know, haven't downsized. In some cases, they've actually expanded and uh, have created really interesting retail experiences. Selfridges is a big store in London and they've got all kinds of stuff in there. I mean, you know, spectacular jewelry hall, accessory halls, you know, massive footwear floors, exciting brands, pop-ups, a skateboarding park, a movie theater (laughs) inside. I'm not sure if it's being used right now because of the pandemic, but, uh, you know, they've got retail and non-retail uses and they've created something that's really interesting interesting. And uh, all of that together, you know, really creates a compelling department store. And if you can bring that in with great service and everything else, you're creating something that's wonderful. And that's not something, you know, with the Hudson Bay company, they're, they're not really uh, bringing in those extra things. They're really just being a retailer. And yeah. my thought is, I, I don't know if this is a missed opportunity. I mean, when, when it was announced that WeWork was going to be moving into the Toronto and Vancouver locations, Vancouver, I don't think ever happened, but no, I, I thought, well, geez, I mean, you can have a co-working space where you could do something that would really draw people into the store and, and tie in with the branding and, and, you know, create a memorable experience about being in a Hudson Bay flagship store. And I've talked about department stores and their challenges before. And, uh, the sh- I, you know, I think things that have really hit shopping centers have been things like, uh, you know, the rise of the shopping center, which has given stores their own space to open and, uh, you know, suburbanization of Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got, uh, which has led to, you know, big box retailers, outlet malls, value priced retail Retailers. All of these things have competed against department stores. And one of the great things about department stores in years past is they had great service. And obviously a big discounter and big box wouldn't have that. Yeah. But then when stores, again, like Hudson's Bay cut 
services and whatnot, you know, and, and, and cost cutting and it really wasn't offering customer service. It really just became another retailer that wasn't that compelling. So uh, I, I think that really, again, you know, has, has hurt the company, but this isn't just exclusive to this one store. It's it's yeah. happened to the department stores throughout North America. Yeah, well, it should be interesting to see how this unfolds because again, it's all just speculation. But but I think that's the two topics we wanted to kind of cover through it all. So thank you, Craig, for going through the Hudson Bay and Holt Renfrew facade discussion. And just a gentle reminder, we do have an email newsletter that you can subscribe to that goes out every weekday morning, and it has a link to the Canadian news from around the web that we've curated from the previous day, as well as links to our recently published articles exclusive to Retail Insider. If you go to our website, retail-insider.com, you can find the subscribe area towards the bottom of our main page, and then you can get that email into your inbox every morning. So thanks everyone for listening. And Craig, thanks for chatting and chat with you next week. Thank you for listening, everyone. Take care.